Making everyone happy on vacation isn't easy, but you know what is? Going to Aruba. All you have to do is walk out your door to find pristine pools, relaxing white sand beaches, and an island teeming with outdoor activities that'll put a smile on any face. You won't just feel great, you'll all feel great, filled with a calmer, more peaceful vibe that radiates Aruba's warmth. And the best part is, it never fades. That's the Aruba effect. Plan your family trip at aruba.com. Okay. Um, thank you so much for joining me, Angelo. Um, I really appreciate you having this chat with me. Um, I've, I've, really, <laughs> I've, I've really enjoyed, enjoyed everything you've put out on YouTube. And I think you are one of the most direct um, and just potent explorers of experience and uh, i really really enjoy your teachings and your message it's very it's very well rounded it's got a great spectrum to it the shadow stuff the emotional stuff the direct experience stuff the self-inquiry um i think it's great i uh, just wanted to say um so it's it's a pleasure to have you on um so yeah as you and i have discussed off air um this is going to be quite a unique episode i think um i'm <laughs> When we planned this episode, every my life was totally normal, you know, as far as normal can be said, at least, uh, and everything was just kind of standard. And and now I find myself in the middle of a very heartbreaking, very challenging um, situation. Uh, the end of my my marriage, um, to put not to put too tough fine a point on it, and I thought maybe we could use me as a as a guinea pig of sorts uh, uh, to kind of just see what this is like you know what the process is for this kind of situation because it's not obviously heartbreak you can you know it's quite a, a broad term um but essentially it's pain it's going into the shadow it's going into deep hurt and pain and you know existential stuff and everything it's like all in this cloud of like shadowy deep rich um nomi <laughs> Uh, suffering um so i thought we could maybe just go through the processes to anyone who's listening and to help me of course as well um how how one would go about navigating this you know from the from the context of the way you and i usually discuss non-duality and spirituality um does that sound good to you <laughs> yeah that sounds that sounds great you know we were talking just before we started recording here about the approach of being very direct and empirical about what you're experiencing in real time. And at some point with, with more, um, with, with deeper clarity, you start to almost deconstruct everything like, and, and, you know, objects and space and time and physicality become deconstructed at least episodically, at least as you do these types of deep inquiries are very direct, potent inquiries into the nature of the sense fields, so to speak, or um, maybe into consciousness and so forth. So um, that's powerful work. It's very powerful work. But there are two things that I want to say about that. One is, if you think that's the only work that you have to do with this whole process, um, you're fooling yourself. Uh, the, that's number one. Number two is that um, you will... You, you can, at some point, get, get to the point where you can almost zoom in too far um, experientially to the sort of deconstructed experience. And you, you 
it's a it's not necessarily spiritual bypassing, but it's it's just a, a a bit of a miscalibration sometimes. If regular life, like conventional life, is is falling apart, or there are major changes, or there's something that really just needs to be addressed to, to take responsibility for what you're doing as a as a human in this relative life, um, sometimes that just really needs to be addressed. And what we want to do is we want to zoom past it. We want to zoom so close into our experience or meditate ourselves into oblivion that that we're really overlooking something. And like I said, I don't I don't wouldn't really call that spiritual bypassing necessarily because our heart is in the right place. Our our instinct to orient to truth is in the right place. But things just get very subtle and it can be tricky to even know where to look sometimes. Like where do I need to look in the emotion body? Is this a belief? Do I need to just meditate more? Do I need to continue to like zoom in deeper into my experience? And so it can be challenging to know how to calibrate when when things just starting to get more and more formless. Does that make sense? Absolutely, yes. Yeah. yeah, and life shows us usually. This this is kind of the entry point into what we're going to talk about is life shows us where we need to look. And the last thing I want to say about this as just a sort of primer to anyone listening is the more directly you engage um, non-duality, let's just say non-duality, the, the more direct the insights are and the more powerful the insights are, which sounds great ahead of time. Like, oh, I want those crazy, mind-blowing, deconstructing experiences. I want the mystical experiences. But it's kind of like, just be careful what you ask for. It's kind of like mm -hmm. psychedelics. Like, for instance, see, if, you, if you really hit it hard with psychedelics or entheogens, you 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 dig up a lot of shadow material and you may not you may be very very surprised what comes it's the same thing with this you know very very direct approaches um they are powerful and they're tremendously transformative but just know you're really digging up deep stuff the stuff that you didn't know was there you, you're going to be everyone along this path will be surprised what they come into contact with in themselves and it can be daunting so i just want to say that that if we stay in this space even online of just always talking about non-duality as, as a direct insight without talking about the sort of human element, we can be doing people a disservice because this can be very challenging stuff to move through, as, as you know. So, You know, I've always stood by exploring direct experiences the most potent way of exploring anything that you come into contact with in this life. You know, it's, it's whatever comes up, emotions and everything, just exploring what is that made of, you know, what's its texture, like what, what is it exactly? Uh, yet, like you say, you can zoom in too much. Uh, I, I'm experiencing this firsthand now. So everything you're saying is like, it's not an idea. Like I can imagine someone zooming in too much. It's like I have been doing that and going, using meditation as a crutch of sorts and going deep into meditation. So I'm quite good at going into deep states, escaping into ecstasy and, you know, everything there. Everything seems pretty good. Um, so you can, it can be, it's a, I feel like it's a delicate process. It's a yeah. very subtle and delicate process and it, it requires a lot of self-compassion and willingness to face the human, like you said, and that, that doesn't negate from non-duality. Facing the human is part of non-duality. We're having a human experience. The human is included in the non-dual experience. Um, and so if I, if I, sometimes the most appropriate thing is to just have some therapy or some, just direct some love towards a certain aspect of myself. Like that feels, we're talking like this is the deep pain, suffering, shadowy stuff. This isn't like you're 
typical everyday non-duality exploration this is like really really deep um stuff and it, it requires a lot of sensitivity and compassion i'm 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 learning as i go through it you know the yeah the uh di direct and sort of yeah almost yeah the direct non-dual exploration of experience can sometimes be a little bit um heavy-handed in some ways it, it you know it's almost like a bit full-on a bit on the nose so yeah I'm, I'm slowly learning these things as as going going through it firsthand and it's, from one yeah. perspective very interesting uh, <laughs> from yeah. perspective very painful uh, yeah there there are there are clues in in some of the old liturgy and the you know, some there's old Zen Zen masters talked about things that, that really do point back to this. And but it's again, it's so subtle and knowing when and how to work through this integration stuff. Um, you know, for one thing, there are a lot of people, I think, that, that really, mm, I don't know, have that depth of realization necessarily. There are some for sure. But um, there, there's a much earlier phase of things where you could talk like we're talking, but it's not quite the same thing uh what what we're talking about in my estimation is where the the integrate the the disintegrative meets the integrative and when disintegration and integration find this sort of natural balance it actually brings things deeper deeper in, so so the i could say what we're talking about is masculine and feminine the masculine mind or the masculine tendency or aspect wants to just disintegrate completely it wants absolute directness absolute precision you know that the stuff we're talking about right <clears throat> initially um but but it's it's still skewed there's a skew there um and uh because it's an extreme so in buddhism there'd be the, the the description of freedom from extremes freedom from extremes means absolute fluidity and absolute flexibility it can it can inhabit the masculine and feminine very effortlessly and it can move between the two and it can move with both of them at the same time and that's deep freedom that's deep freedom and peace and flexibility and spontaneity and radical intimacy and also emptiness chunyata so so yeah the, there's something that wants of a, and it may not it's not just masculine like because we're male or something it's the the movement of thought is a sort of disintegrative movement it's a disassociative movement we step back from experience and then turn it into an object and turn ourselves into a subject but none of that actually exists but when we deconstruct that and see that it doesn't exist the tendency to still step back from experience from life is still there and that comes with it distortions in both the masculine and feminine spectrum and there can be control there can be escape but both of those are distortions ultimately you'll find this balance and life will just show you it will literally say here let me let me mess this up in your life you know um and and now now it's just in your face you have to go in 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 so the first movement is really out and this then the second movement's back in but the in and out then at that's at some point are really intertwined and interpenetrated yeah some like you were saying about some about a life will just show you these things and, and this is you know oh, this has never been so clear i it's just it i i would never have asked for this situation but it's so um it's it's revealed parts of myself or things that um have remained unconscious you could say and i haven't been aware of have been blind spots in myself uh but i didn't even know were there whatsoever it, it's just makes me think of the 
just the intelligence of this unfoldment process that it is just it is perfectly unfolding and it will reveal it's you know i had this idea of shadow work where you would have to dig down and, and try, maybe try and find the shadowy stuff and bring it up and um life will do do that for you i feel <laughs> i said i've said this before it's like there's the shadow and then there's like the deep shadow and the yeah. shadow is when you still feel like you're in control a little bit you know you're doing the work you're digging in you're kind of without realizing you're managing it you're deciding what you're going to come in contact with and not this is not like that at all this is like the wheels come off and you are not in the driver's seat at all and you're experiencing things you never thought you could experience or wanted to experience or would experience and you 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 feel quite helpless actually you feel quite helpless yeah because if you're not an if there's not a these are the these are the implications of non-duality that we don't always think about right you know if there's no doer if there's no agent if there's no separation there's no control there's no agency at all there's no there's there's helplessness you know like all of nature is helpless and and in in a way because there's nothing apart from anything that can decide how things are going to go for it and when you mm. feel that viscerally and you see it playing out in your life it can be kind of terrifying at first you know you will get used to it and you know it'll all integrate but you won't be the one doing the integration <laughs> you're along <laughs> for the ride you know yeah yeah so in your from your perspective of things you know um how does if say say i was a client i came to you and you know very specific issue i'm going through this issue uh what would you say to someone would you uh you know i guess we could treat that this as that kind of situation what do you, kind of questions do you ask them what do you get to sort of look at uh, sure to look at within themselves and... well first of all it's always different so i don't have a like i don't have a map for this of and course. Yeah. So it's always, always different. It's how it's literally like how you're moving, the words you're saying, how how the conversation is playing out. And I just respond spontaneously. So so it really just depends on the situation. In this case, like I do have to address the fact that we're talking publicly. So there's gonna be things we're not gonna talk about about another person that it wouldn't be fair to that person and so forth. But sure. we can keep it in the context of you, of course. Um, and you know, um I would just ask you what what stands out to you? as the biggest problem or challenge of this whole situation. You've mentioned your heart is being broken. Um, what is it about that? If you could just put it into a statement that, that explains what part of that you're not okay with. It may, this may sound so obvious that we don't even think about it, but what is it about this whole situation that you're just not okay with? And this can be a selfish statement. It doesn't have to be from any particular standpoint just whatever feels like your instinct to to answer okay um so i'm not going to be too non-dual about this i'm just going to say what's what's actually coming up um it's there's <laughs> feelings of of un unsafety unsafety mm -hmm. insecurity a kind of existential terror that reminds me of being a child it's like um like lost or something you know uh, dreams i used to have as a child where i'd be find myself out in the wilderness some just spontaneously in the middle of the night mm. um it feels like yeah it feels like that, that even though i'm in my parents house and i have a home currently I, it feels like i have no home it feels like i'm untethered yeah. um it feels like i don't know who i am <laughs> like i know you know, not just in the non-dual sense, just like every sense, like what the fuck, you know, 
Um, yeah, feels like I've lost a limb. It, it, yeah, there's a lot, and and there's there's things around dancing around. Uh, you know, like feelings of insecurity and jealousy, and and those kinds of mm-hmm. things are popping up as well. All of which so, is sorry, carry on. Well, you said you said a lot, and I think we can touch into those various aspects. But mm. the other thing I wanted to ask you is, can you identify like? some basic emotions as well around this, like just cool. simple emotions. Um, we fear, mm-hmm. anxiety. Uh, a sense, it's not an emotion, but a sense of death. Uh, yeah. It's like, it's like, it feels like dying every time I'm remembering what's happened. Uh, How about uh, sadness? Sad, oh, sadness without a doubt. Definitely sadness. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Just name a few. Yeah. So <clears throat> the reason I asked about the emotions um, is I find that often different people are comfortable and less comfortable with different emotions. And it varies. Some people are comfortable with anger. They're not comfortable with sadness, for instance, and some people are quite vice versa. So often, when all this stuff, this all this stuff is unfolding inside you and outside of you, we often sort of dodge around one emotion, and you know that's why I was kind of like probing a little bit for the sadness because if you kind of look at an experience like this, for most people, the prominent emotion would be sadness. You know, grief—you're losing a loved one, essentially, in yes. one way or another. It seems yeah. feels like that. Yeah. So I just wanted to point that out. Um, so there are different ways to approach this at different times for you. And you, you know, just trust your intuition on how to move through it and move with it. But with the emotions specifically, I would just give each of those emotions time really and just sit with it. You know, often they'll just come knocking on your door and just say, knock, 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 here I am. Here's here's fear. Um, but I really do think that the, the sort of parenting yourself can be really helpful. And treat that emotion, like each individual emotion, treat each one. Uh, in a sort of granular way as an entity, as a life form, as a life force, because it is, you know, there was a part of you that experienced that fully as a child that became, you became fear as a child at times, you became sadness, but we forget these things. And so when those energies are there, what happens is we learn to bury them. Actually, we learn to, through coping mechanisms and identity structures built on top of each other, we learn to just bury that stuff, but they're coming, they come back in these, in these, at these times. And part of us doesn't want that to happen and we feel disassociated or disoriented because of it. But um, but it's, it really is an opportunity. So when sadness comes, you just hold it. Just go, you're, you know, you have all of my attention right now. Sadness, you have all of my attention right now. And just feel it as closely as you can. Just feel it in your body. Feel it everywhere that it that it naturally, you know, manifests in your physical body, in your in your experience, the sensation field. And just hold it. Just be with it. You know, just allow that to be here sadness, grief. Um, when it's fear, the same thing. Fear is more of a hot emotion, right? It's more, it's more intense. It's more, you know, it feels like you have to do something about it right now. Like, you know, it's a fight or flight experience sometimes. Yeah. And that same thing though, you, you can learn to hold that as well. With fear, it's, it's really helpful to remind yourself. Oh, sorry. Did I lose? Oh, I'm I back and I'm down. upside down. <laughs> I'm sorry, you, man. I'm, you really have transcended reality. I transcended reality. Right there. Okay. Here there we go. Don't know what happened there. So um, 
so yeah, with fear, I think it can be really helpful to remind yourself of the difference between the thoughts and the sensations and the experience of it. You know, calling yeah. it fear and labeling it fear as an emotion is very helpful. Um, and, and, and holding it in the way I was talking about and just giving it space, just go fear can be here right now. Like I, I, I have the capacity to experience it. You do, you do have the capacity to experience it, but just notice that the subtle thoughts that sneak in around fear can be really destabilizing. Like I can't handle this. This is too much for me. This is going to destroy me. Just notice those are thoughts. This is really helpful in, in these cases because then you can actually sit with fear and fear is, like I said, it's intense. But it also tends to be kind of it tends to come and go pretty quickly. Like it'll it'll just be there really intensely, and then a few minutes later, it's kind of gone, and it may come back. But when it's here, just hold it, just be okay with it, and just just say, "Hey, you can be here." You you know, as a as an entity, as a single experience, as you in that moment, not clouding it with all this other stuff like non duality type stuff or insights or trying to figure out what to do about it. The storylines just stay with just that, and and I think really approaching emotions in this way, especially when there's a lot of emotion and they're very intertwined. And then there's also resistance, which we'll talk about around all of it. It can be really helpful to just break it down into these different emotional experiences because they are kind of like life forms and life forces. I mean, they are how we move through life. Like a lot of the, most of the decisions we make and, and so forth, the big decisions and the relationships we form and all really have to do with emotion more than the logic really, right? And yeah. so it's important to acknowledge this part of ourselves part of our life, part of who we are. Um, when you can go deeper in, you can, you, some people find it very helpful to move physical movement around emotion. So when you really start embodying sadness or grief, let your body move the way that feels. If you, if it helps, you know, you may be on the floor in the fetal position, or you may be, you know, doing slow dance or maybe shaking mm -hmm. like TRE. Um, but somatic expression of these feelings can be really, really helpful. It, it just gives them life. And, and a lot of times what feels so urgent or confusing or disorienting or worst is dis complete disassociation is really from a lot of confusion around emotion and fear of emotions in general and avoidance of emotions. That's what leads to states that feel much more like suffering than, than intense emotion. There's intense emotion and there's suffering and they're, they're not the same thing. So that's how I would move with the emotion spectrum. Yeah. Yeah. That makes a lot of sense. What's really fascinating with this and, you know, it, it, it is interesting having a podcast like this and looking at life the way I look at it um, and having an experience like this happen in real time and using myself as a kind of science project um, of experience um, and just noticing that, like we're saying, like all of these, it comes down to the, just the intense, intense sensations and intense emotions. And it, that's what it, Ultimately, it, it all is, you know, it, it, it actually, I can, I've been a lot, you know, have all these thoughts about this, the story, you could say the situation that's going on and what that means and <laughs> what is this person doing now? And, you know, and like the fear going on around that and the memory, the, the nostalgic, painful memories about the past. And, but that when I'm sensitive, like in a way you you were talking when I was sensitive with it in the way, like the way you were talking about it, it's, it has a sensation in the body <laughs> as yeah. it just has a feeling. It just comes down, which is continually fascinating to watch, but it comes down just to a sensation in the body. Like that's, mm -hmm. 
the body's an incredible tool for this stuff. Like I can, it's like a, a, a reference of like, oh, but how does this feel? You know, I can, I can just, yeah. I can find that sensation and explore it. Mm-hmm. And the story can be going on at the same time and it can create more and more, you know, elaborate, scary, shadowy images. Mm-hmm. Um, and it will still come down to a sensation. Yeah. And yeah. It's really fascinating. And that's the value of what I'm talking about with the emotions is, the the description you gave of like really being, which is ultimately in our heads when we're, what is that other person doing and the memories and the, mm-hmm. you know, frustration and the control thoughts, like all of that really is kind of disassociated. It's not here so much, but when you start to bring it back here in a way that feels, I don't know what the word is, holistic, maybe it feels real. Like I really am feeling sadness. That's really what's happening. And I really can actually feel it. Wow. I, I can feel this. I can just be with this right now. Oh, now I'm feeling anger. Okay. I can kind of be with that, you know? If we, if the more we're able to do that here, the less, the less we feel like we have to go up into our mind into la la land to manage something we'll never be able to manage and try to control something we're out of that's not in our control. And we feel so out of control. You know, there's a difference between feeling sort of helpless, meaning helpless becomes something like innocence and um, not even passivity. It's just realizing like I'm not in control of everything the way I think I am. That kind of helplessness. It has a sweetness to it and you can get really um you can really learn to just vibe with that that's not the same thing as feeling like out of control when you're when you want to convince yourself you are in control like up in your head that's a really uncomfortable feeling and it's uncomfortable for good reason because it's it's not authentic it's not fully authentic you know it's yeah. avoidance it's avoidance of the experience of what's happening right here and we can't control that other person and we can't control where they're, what they're going to do. And we can't change the past by thinking about it. And we can't force the future by imagining it. We can't do any of that. And we really know we can't, right? But, but if we come to a place where we can actually address, hold, you know, acknowledge, feel, and love the physical aspect of what's going on within us, then we don't feel so inclined to try to run away from it. We don't need to go up into that space. This, this is really good what you're saying. Uh, <laughs> this is actually um, just through recognizing what you're saying. It's, there was so, there's so much of the suffering uh, as being from the feeling of being out of control. And I notice in meditation, the feeling goes from out of control to the helplessness. And, and it kind of, so it's like it's allowed to just soften into helplessness mm-hmm. and yeah. the okayness of the helplessness. And, you know, that just being like the river of life continues flowing kind of thing. And it's okay. It knows what it's doing. It's, it's fine. Leave it, leave it be. Um, and, but the out of control feeling, the middle of the night waking up, you know, from a nightmare, like, you know, people, people have breakups, I'm sure can relate to this. In the middle of the night, you, have, you might have a dream or a nightmare, but you're back together or you see the person with someone else then you wake up and you go oh phew it's okay and then and then you're like oh no that's my the nightmare is my reality and then there's that feeling of i'm not in control of this situation i need to do something to control this but there's nothing you can do (laughs) and then you realize there's nothing you can do and then hopefully if you've got some kind of uh, wherewithal some insight you can then relax this is just going from my own experience can relax a little bit like see that you can't do anything about it feel into that mm-hmm. not trying to logically work it out but just feeling into it and it does turn into that flow of like just unfoldments you know the helplessness mm-hmm. the 
the life is just doing itself feeling. Yeah. Um, and it's, it's very, it's very, I think it's a very profound change because that causes so much suffering. The feeling of being out of control, feeling yeah. it's really convincing. Like it's like a little itch. It's like, I can definitely, there's definitely right in the back of my mind that there's definitely something I can do. Like just yeah. itching away, you know, even when it's so obvious, there's nothing, there's nothing. <laughs> yeah. And, and the, the, the experience of feeling out of control is implicit. What's implicit in it is that you could be in control. So it's a total lie. And that's why it's so damn uncomfortable because you're, <laughs> especially in situations like this, you're constantly shown evidence to the contrary that you could even be in control. And that's so frustrating, right? So it's, it's never going to be a satisfied experience. It's, it's, it's inherently unsatisfying. You know, um, it's, and so it's like, sometimes you just got to do it until you realize it's just ridiculous and it's not, it's not going anywhere, but, but we can get so spun up in our head and we can be, we have so much will involved in it, you know, that comes from deep emotional, you know, unmet needs or repression or whatever it is that it can take us a while to really see that. <clears throat> or you can just go down to the emotions, you know? Yeah. Proactively. Yeah. And this, you know, seeing that you can't do anything about it is it's kind of like you said that that really made me laugh when you said there's something that's so so frustrating about that because uh it really because like i say it really feels like you can you're like and you can and you can't so it's like you've got this lie mixed with truth and it's like which <laughs> you know um and what's interesting is the mind is very it will be very convincing that not getting the person back not controlling the situation not you know what it doesn't have to be about the person um, it could be whatever situation someone's going through that they're listening to right now but um if you don't get it back that's as good as death and you need to somehow get that and that will be the thing that then will make you okay again it will make you worthy as a person or will make you whole and complete and that's and that this is where it kind of goes deeper. I feel this stuff. It goes deeper into like, um, I need the object, <laughs> no matter how beautiful that object is, no matter how much, you know, love that object has shown me, I need that. It's not necessarily an object is to put it down a little bit, but I need that thing. Otherwise I, I, you know, I don't exist. Otherwise I'm not enough. Otherwise, you know, I, I, I mean, I think it's right on the money that you called it object because when we see somebody in terms of what they can do for us, right? This is this is a hard pill for anyone to swallow, you know, but it's especially when you haven't really looked deeply into like your motivations and relationships. When we look at somebody from the standpoint of how they make us feel, how they can make us feel, what they've already done for us, what they could do for us, we're not seeing them and they know it. They become an object in our own mind. Objects only exist in the mind, by the way. We you you already, you know, through through all your non-duality explorations, that's already clear. But but how do you, we use objects? We, we use objects by overlying them on actual people or external experiences. Um, and so, yeah, it, it's exactly what we're doing. We're objectifying somebody else ultimately when we really just see them for what they could do for us or, we want, or what we want from them or what we think we need from them. You know, yeah. And I'm not saying that there are no, like in close connections and emotional connections and relationships, there are no you know, mutual needs being met. And I mean, there, there's, there's relative truth to all of that. But if that's literally how we perceive that person, we perceive them through the lens of what they are doing for us, how they make us feel, 
we're not seeing them. We're not seeing their life. We're not seeing that person and their struggles and their all, all the whole spectrum of who, what they are and what's important to them and loving them and supporting them as an outward movement. It's very mm-hmm. much inward. It's like, what can I get from them? You know, I love this quote by Nisargadatta. Um, Nisargadatta. Someone, someone said, I say it too fast and it sounds like I'm saying it wrong. Nisargadatta. Uh, he, he said, in my world, love is the only law. I don't ask for it. I give it. And that's mm-hmm. a pretty radical way to live in a way. But the more I've oriented my life that way, the more it, it really works. It works in relationships, close relationships. It works in very casual situations and settings. And it just works to express what feels most natural, most loving, and most authentic to me in life. And, and so as an attunement, that can be very powerful. And it, again, it can be a hard pill to swallow for us, you know, we may be selfless in other areas of our life. And then we find this place where we're like kind of selfish in a certain sense. I'm not, I'm not talking about you specifically. I'm saying this is a very universal thing that people will have to look at at some point sure. if they're going to evolve in relationship or just in spirituality or whatever to, to see like, am I looking at that person through a lens of what I want from them, what I need from them, what they do for me, how they make me feel? Okay. If I am, or to the degree I am, I'm like not seeing them. I'm seeing my unmet needs as a child pasted in front of my oh, face. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and yeah, and yeah. I think it's called, and I think it's called them. And then I'm blaming them for not giving me meeting those needs. Like they don't even yeah. know, how could they even know, you know, it's, and so, so it's like, we're, we're in a struggle with our internal experience and we think it's an external experience. And that's why it really helps to bring it home, to learn to parent yourself, to learn to come into contact with your own emotions, take responsibility, feel them, love them, accept them except all these parts of ourselves. And, and then the, the outside stuff tends to take care of itself. You know, you just see more clearly, you see people more clearly, you see relationship more clearly, you know? Um, that's, um, that's beautiful about your, what you're saying there. Uh, because uh, I, feel, I feel we do, on the human level, we, we definitely are grabbing onto other people for like safety and support and, you know, what can I get? Even if we really do love that person, I think we are, you know, uh, just firsthand, I, I have to be honest about this. Like, you know, I thought <laughs> I had this idea of myself as, as, a, as you could say, a spiritual person and I could be a lone wolf of some kind, you know, meditating in the middle of a forest and living alone and, and having that kind of lifestyle. And, you know, uh, that was with my partner there. Their partner was always there. So mm. I kind of yeah. was was living that life a little bit, and there was that safety of the partner being there. But um, when when the person goes, it becomes very very obvious very quickly. Like uh, what what's going on inside me? Like what? How much am I actually depending on this person for my feeling of safety, uh, mm. my security? Like how much am I depending on this person for my feeling of self worth? Um, how much, you know, am I for, just for love and the feeling of, um, that I'm okay. And yeah, now I need, it's like, it is a gift. Oh, I, I, it is ultimately a gift, a very, very bitter pill to swallow. Like you said, but it's a gift. Uh, but now I have to find that, you know, quote unquote within myself. Um, and this is what anyone who has a breakup or someone dies, I guess, um, will have to go through. You have to f- then find that. A thing that you were putting onto that person, yeah. Like you say, it's like an 
what is that's an outward it would just be a what that is found is is not something that's selfish and not something that grabs from others it's something that is like an outgoing flow mm -hmm. and doesn't want anything from anyone else yeah um, and, and at the same time it doesn't necessarily want or need anything right or you don't necessarily want or need anything but at the same time you, there's a there's a genuine appreciation for that person like for what they offered you and what they offer the world and really yes. see that and, and and acknowledge it and then you do acknowledge that yeah it does add to your your sense of of stability in life and and all that and that's all just relative honesty you know like we need stability to survive like you know you if you don't have shelter you don't have a lot of stability if you don't have safety you don't have a lot of stability emotional connection is a is an aspect of that as well of course and so so again it's like the, i think the first step is really just seeing what is it we're what is it we're un reasonably expecting from that other person and falling into mental traps about it and 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 knowing that about ourselves um and really just seeing clearly like what am i really giving am i how much am i giving how much am i taking here or am i actually seeing that person you know um but the beauty of it is you don't really have to sort all of that out it sorts itself out when you really just come back and and take responsibility but also take the responsibility of realizing you you actually do have the capacity to self-soothe. You do have the capacity to feel safe when you're not in, in an emotionally connected relationship. Like that, that, that kind of autonomy benefit tremendously benefits any future relationships. It just does. Yeah. Um, mm -hmm. And, you know, you'll, you'll feel so much more settled in a relationship when you enter it knowing like you're okay, you, you, you can be okay alone and they can too, of course. And together you'll you'll be you know maybe more than the sum total of your parts or whatever, but uh, but if if there's still a lot of unaddressed expectations or just unobserved expectations that you're going to put on another person, you know you've done it two three four times maybe for you as one person for years or whatever, but for some people it's like they've done it five times in a row with five different people and the result is always the same. Okay, maybe it's time to look here. You know, like what yeah. am I? what am I expecting from a relationship or from that person? Or what am I projecting onto them? Or what am I blaming them for that they're not even doing or all of that? And, and it comes back here and it comes back to the emotion body essentially. Yeah, absolutely. And it's, um, it's, you know, it, <laughs> it's incredibly painful. Um, but like you say, you said earlier, it's literally like having all of your childhood stuff, just like, put right in front of your face and mm -hmm. it's so it's my my feeling is we're not doing this to get something out of it like you don't you don't stay with the emotions this is where it gets really subtle like uh because my mind <laughs> even now knowing this as you know can say well if we just if you're a good boy if you're a good spiritual practitioner or something um and you stay with this feeling of sadness right now it will then it will go away and turn into maybe it'll turn into bliss or something great you know mm -hmm. uh, that's it's doing that's not unconditional that's not showing something unconditional yeah. love is it that's that's uh that's that's the literal def definition of conditional um so it's, it's being with it just to be with it just to mm -hmm. just because it's there and yeah Yes, you and, know. and you'll you'll realize why that is too, because you're what you're what you're being with is that part of you that's very alive right now that was three years old, four years old, five years old that felt really sad at one point, 
when it realized that mom, mommy, mother, mom is my primary caretaker, but she can't always be here for me, you know, or whatever it is. Like these, these mm. things are very, very intense emotional experiences for children. We don't even notice it most of the time or often, you know, and then of course, trauma built on top of that for some kids is like, just makes it so much more difficult and intense, but children have very intense, direct emotional experiences, but they don't fully process it. And because of conscious human consciousness, they reflect all the way into our adulthood. And then we live, we play them out in all these strange ways that we don't even realize we're doing. But when you hold that part of yourself, you feel it, it really starts to feel like love, like genuine, unconditional love for yourself. And, and from there, you know, from that place, you know, things will work out in relationships, things are going to work out. If, even if they don't work out, it, it works out fine. And, and you just have a much better way of calibrating, engaging, you know, who's, who, you know, who's doing what and what's going on and who's responsible for what and all that. It's just more clear. Um, and, and the bottom line is you take responsibility for your own emotion. You take responsibility for your own experience and you take responsibility for any misperceptions you have about that person and what they should be doing for you or whatever. And when you take responsibility for all that, you, you actually have a sort of surplus awareness. You can, you can see them for who they are. And they'll feel it. They'll know that you you truly care about them genuinely as a as a human, and you care to you know uh, facilitate or help them grow in whatever way feels totally natural to them. Um, and the unconditional aspect is, and that may even mean that they aren't with you, you know, and that supporting that as well because that's just the way they need to move in this life, and that that's real unconditional love, you know. Um, and uh, yeah, some of the other emotions too, like you mentioned, jealousy. Mm. jealousy is one of those ones that like like i said anger feels really hot jealousy when you first experience it feels so hot it's so intense right um but it's also one of those emotions that's very transmutable if you really just sit with it and just feel it as a pure emotion and not think about the storyline right like oh the, the, they're with this person they could be with me and what are they doing and trying to imagine what's going on and like mm -hmm. you know whatever that's all mind that's not the emotion the emotion is down here just going like Ah, you know, just feel that intensity, feel that rawness. If you if you can stay with that and stay out of the narratives, um, for me at least, jealousy was one of those ones that trans transmorphed, or I don't know how to say it. It's changed a lot. Changed mm. is a better word. It uh, it changed to the point where it just didn't feel like a problem at all. Um, it, it felt like a very natural feeling or experience, and I didn't act out on it at all. Uh, you know, I I if, if anything, I would just you know relate to people like you know, whatever you really need to do in life, I'm not here to stop that. I'm not here to change that. So if you feel authentically inclined to do this, that, or whatever, um, that's fine. As long as we're in communication about it and we're honest about what's happening and no one's like hiding things from one another to, to self-sabotage or harm the relationship on purpose or something, you know, that's a totally different story, but I can't tell you like, you know, I can't give you a list of rules of things you can do or who you can talk to or any of that stuff. Um, but I got to that clarity by just feeling the emotion and all these emotions I talk about, I've sat with them a lot. That's why you can you know, talk I still, about I still, it. I still yeah. do, but they just get, they get subtler and subtler and subtler. And often situations come up that in the past maybe would have caused jealousy and they just don't at all. Or, you that's know, fantastic. Like, you just feel love instead. Oh, that's, that, I mean, that's, that's absolutely what a place to be, you know, uh, that you get there by i mean it's interesting the way you put it makes me just think these emotions carry wisdom they're like 
you know it's mm -hmm. like that Rumi poem uh, they come from as like teachers from beyond or messengers messengers from beyond um you don't get to know that like where you are now with you know when jealousy comes up you don't get to be in relation to jealousy in that way without sit without sitting with it and getting to know it if every time it comes up you go oh not this again uh, where's the alcohol or I'm going to call the person to find out what they're doing or whatever your mechanism of coping with that situation is. If you do that and just have the knee-jerk reaction, the jealousy never gets to transmit um, yeah. its message. It, Absolutely. It, by sitting with it, it's like um, it ripens and it's, it kind of then gets to, I don't know, gets to drop its sweet fruit. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, you, yes. it, what you said was so good and I've noticed this before. I don't know if I've ever verbalized it, but when so so let's say you you're in a situation with a person uh, like you're in or whatever where there's some emotional strife or challenge and part of you wants to blame it on them or get the answer from changing some interaction with them and then you stop and you go wait a minute let me just go in and feel what's here in the emotion body right what i found over time was that by by really coming into communion with the emotions themselves, like really coming to contact, understanding their intelligence, which isn't a, isn't a mental intelligence. It's a very visceral intelligence and, and just getting to know them very well and experiencing them fully um, and allowing them to be and to move and to teach and to open to other experiences and so forth. What I found is that the, the sort of sweetness of relationship that we crave you you can find it in that you find it in it's almost like archetypal energies and they do have they do open they do drop fruit um but you really the surrender is the key with this it's you can't you can't do it to get something because you it, because what you think you're going to get out of it will be wrong it doesn't work yeah. that way you have to really surrender to them and you mean on sweet fruit <laughs> yeah, yeah and be and be patient you have to be patient but yeah. they it's it's less rather than fruit or giving you what you think you want it's more like they open these kind of portals to energies that are that are very deeply wise but they're also intimate they're they're feeling type things and they and they have that that the things we look for in relationship with another person sometimes like safety or security or validation or um sweetness or being settled or peace or whatever we're looking for um we find like oh wow the actually i was looking for something that's been here the whole time we we know this because this is like a cliche, but but the way it's been here, I didn't realize it's it, it was here, but I had to surrender to to actually find it, and mm -hmm. it's available always inwardly. It really is, and that's when you start to understand these old Zen masters who sat lived in huts and stuff. Like you know, they they really do did they were in touch with, you know, they they might call it the Great Mother or something, you know, the the feminine aspect or, you know. Guan Yin, the Bodhisattva of compassion, or but these are energies. These are these are like archetypal energies, and they're available to all of us. And they're available just looking around you. They're in nature. Like nature literally shows you what intimacy is, what it really is. Mm. You know, and you that. can't that. that can't be severed. That's I mean, that's the most important question. Like, can you find that you know, so to speak, in yourself? That what that's you're craving from another person like that's yeah. what in times like this that i find myself in that's the that's the key question really is can this be found this is where non-duality is 
Like, am I full of shit? You know, talking on this podcast <laughs> all the time. You know, like, can it really be found? If it's because if I can't find it here, you know, if I can't find it without the person that I'm being leaning on, then mm-hmm. it's then it's not there. But so mm-hmm. I really need to to find it. And I, I, you know, I can't say I found it to the le- the, the depth that you found it. But I, my, you know, I've got like the tip of my pinky is just like starting to touch it and wait, yeah, there's something there. And it's not the route you want to take. It's yeah. not like I will take such a high dose of mushrooms that I will transcend and I'll just be in bliss. It's it's no, you go will go through layers upon layers of wise old pains um, <laughs> until you come into into touch with with them and and have a, a full relationship with them where you're not trying to push them away. Yeah. Uh, it's and <laughs> that's not the route we want, but it's. it's it's, uh, it's right yeah. on the money. Like you just you just touched on like the the elements I wanted to mention for anyone who's following this is like number one, um, you you can find it in yourself, but you have to show you you have to explore do the exploration. You can't just believe that, right? Of course, at this level, like it's very visceral. So you you know you have to go there. Um, so number one, yeah, do the investigation. Can can you actually find that in yourself? That kind of peace that we want that kind of equanimity we want, that kind of sweetness of life and intimacy we want, that we want from another person, can we actually find it here? Um, and that's a that's a very good exploration to take up and it, it's very valuable. But the second thing you said, and it's right on the money, is it won't look like you think it will though. It, if, you, if, you, if, you're, if you're stuck in expectations, which are mental essentially, which are beliefs and based on, you know, distorted past, coping mechanisms that we learn from other people who have not the best coping, like all of that, right? That's not what it is though. It's very direct. It's very much sensation. It's, it's, it's body sensation, acknowledging emotions, and then just really holding them, loving them. You have to find your own capacity to love. That's it. Like you, everyone has the capacity, but we doubt it because mm. we think that person's yeah. the one that gives us love, you know? Yes. So, so that's it. And that's the way in and just keep going and be patient, be patient and trust that it's there. Trust that it's there, but, but keep investigating and surrendering. It's almost, um, it almost taps into a kind of faith, doesn't it? Like, like you say, trust, it's almost like faith that it's there at times, you know, um, yeah. and it gives you the, it gives you the power to be patient <laughs> uh, because it is patience. It, you can't rush into this stuff. Um, when you say, uh, just something occurred to me when you said find the capacity to love that you know what does i guess it's very difficult to put that into words because it's it's something it's obviously it's a feeling it's it's something very direct and what does um, love feel like to you what does love feel like to me yeah right now it it feels like um that's a very difficult question (laughs) um it feels like it's kind of it try not to go into my ideas of love feels like it's giving without wanting to receive anything Mm. feels like it feels like giving something a someone a cuddle and they need to cuddle it's, that's the imagery it's coming out just like without needing anything in return it's just a kind mm-hmm. of a giving 
um, and warmth that's out, that out going outwards. And yeah, um, like that's do you feel it right I, now? Yes, yeah, I do. Oh, yeah. okay, good. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, it, it, it made me it made me feel into it. And uh, if I'll be honest with you, Angela, like talking to you makes me feel a lot of love. Like, uh, yeah. <laughs> I really enjoy this. <laughs> Yeah, for uh, me, it feels like this cool, like as you were talking, I can, I can just feel it. And I have love for this, this, this talk, this conversation, this connection, this honesty, this vulnerability and willingness to just talk about these things um, that are so important to us and to everyone. But it feels like if I were to put a sensation to it, it feels like this, this very slow moving, cool, cool, like physically cool, like breeze moving through everything. And it's just, it loves everything it touches. It just loves everything it touches. It, mm. it's it's a it's a it's an absolute recognition that everything it touches is completely okay and it and if it had a voice it would tell it it's okay it's okay you're okay every part of you is okay every part of this is okay you're made out of the love the love is all there is and that's how it feels and and that doesn't it's not just about a person it's not based on my conditioning or your conditioning it's just already there and and we every human being has access to this it's just it's just a simple acknowledgement. It may feel really, really subtle at first. It may be really in the background. But to attune to love this way, talk about it. Ask yourself about it. Talk to your partner about it. Talk to your friend about it. You know, whatever. Ask yourself, what does love feel like right now? And you'll find it's there. It's actually there. But don't worry about what you think it should look like or what the poem said, no. poetry said about it, or what you felt with, with a person 10 years ago or 10 minutes ago. What does it feel like right now? You know, yes. And that, if you yeah. can bring that into any of these in inquiries we're talking about, any of them, the emotion stuff, the belief stuff, bring that in. Um, it's one of the immeasurables in Buddhism, loving kindness. You know, uh, it's just absolute acceptance for everything, everything yes. that is, and it comes with a love for experience. The fact that there can be experience at all is just so poignant and beautiful. You could say um, experience itself by its very nature is that love because mm -hmm. it is already it because <laughs> I mean, it's it, what's here is here and it's being experienced and that is that love. Mm -hmm. uh, so it's unconditionally accepting of, of what's here. Yeah, and I agree. So it's, you know, and there's that and then there's the knowing of that, like there's the actual realizing of that fact mm -hmm. and there's a kind of partaking in the enjoyment of that fact mm -hmm. you know yeah. it's like it's like the human giving yourself like, permission to enjoy it yeah it's like the human doesn't isn't quite i don't know it is to make make something into duality but it's like the human isn't quite getting that fact <laughs> a lot of the time you know it's like it thinks it's a separate thing from the unconditionally loving experience and somehow mm. cut out from it and then it needs to grab something within experienced. It's, um, mm -hmm. I love, I absolutely, obviously descriptions are never the thing, but I absolutely love your description. There's that, like you said, that cool, like a cool, it made me think of like a cool breeze. that's just like, just like a soft breath of God or something that's just kind of touching mm -hmm. everything just without exception. Mm -hmm. and, and it doesn't judge it or label. You know, it's not like it's determining what something is. It doesn't care what it is. It's just already loved. And, you know, for anyone listening, the access point for this may be something that is 
personal to you, for instance, like I mentioned Guanyin, which is the Avalokitesvara, Guanyin, and Kanon. Those are the three names for um, from Indian, uh, Chinese, Japanese, and, and Zen for the Bodhisattva of compassion. And Guanyin is a female figure. And it's the, um, it means the, the, the one who hears the cries of the world. So for me, that's a very powerful attunement. Um, but for someone else, it may be a different archetype or it may be, you know, the virgin mother. I don't know what, whatever. But like you may find something in your life that really resonates with you at the level of heart. And that can be your attunement to love, you know, and that can you can kind of bring that into consciousness and, and then feel it and then just find it. Is it actually here right now? Is it here? Um, so everybody's path is different. Everybody's experience is different. Uh, there's a one taste to everything and pure experience kind of has this, this like undifferentiated tr taste to it. It truly does. But paradoxically, everybody also has their own experience of things, their own past, their own history, their own emotional attunements. And so learn to trust yourself, learn to move with yourself, learn to find what it is that attunes you to love, you know, and maybe walking in nature. You know, maybe the way you feel with animals or something. Um, so that's another thing, too, is just to have an attunement, something that reminds you and then brings you back here to the feeling of it. Yeah, I think, um, first of all, I'll, I'll just say, how much how much longer do you have, Angela, just before? I got, a, I got a bit longer. Okay, cool. It just reminds me of um, when you mentioned animals and nature. Uh, I just thought this is an interesting one to put in there. Is uh, In the past, I was struggling with, like, guilt and shame i remember speaking to my therapist who's a very good therapist um about about it and she said look she knows how much i love my dog i love my dog like it's my son you know <laughs> which uh -huh. I've, having seen your videos i'm sure you can relate to um but she said when you look at your dog and you see the innocence there you see the you see the innocence the absolute just that's just love and, and, and innocence uh, you know that's that's got to exist as you <laughs> for you to be able to see that within the dog you're seeing your own innocence and i you know given that how long i've been talking about non-duality and everything it hadn't occurred to me that uh, when i'm looking at my little dog you know i'm sitting there with all this guilt and stuff and I'm just looking at him. He's just pure innocence. He's just innocence itself. It's like, well, he's the innocent one and I'm, you know, the guilty one. But it's like, I, I couldn't perceive the innocence. That is my experience. <laughs> you know, mm. I'm not having the dog's experience. I'm, I'm viewing innocence. I, um, and I could, it's not just an idea of innocence. It's like, I can feel the innocence. Like I'm, mm. I'm looking at, um, and that, that just makes me think about what you said about, you know, how do you connect with these things? Like going out yeah. into nature, looking at your most beloved pet or your your partner or whoever it might be. Yeah. Um, you're connected with something true there. It's not just the person. It's not just the thing. It's not that they contain that. It's just that they are some separate thing that they own the rights to innocence or or whatever it is. You know, you're it's, yeah. you're connecting with it when you see it. Yeah. Um, it's just finding those there's there's you know, there's infinite doorways to this mm -hmm. as we always say in the podcast you know but yeah another doorway into connecting with that yeah and i think sometimes we don't want to see without realizing it we have a block to seeing that kind of innocence in maybe an animal or something because because if you see it there we have to see it in ourselves and we want to be more complicated than that we want to believe in duality we want to believe that's over that animal is over there and i'm separate from it 
but the moment you taste that subject object, you know, just not being there. And it's like, you realize nothing, there's nothing more important about me than that animal's needs or that person's needs, or all of a sudden it's like, whoa, that the world looks so different, you know? Um, it can be a huge relief, but it can also be a major readjustment, you know? But yeah, you look at an animal and it's like, that animal's not worried about anything, generally speaking. They're not worried about stuff. They're not thinking about the past or future, whether they're a good dog or a bad dog. You know, they react to your energy and they react to the environment, of course, naturally through survival instincts. But generally, they're very empty and very present and very sweet and very innocent. And that's yeah. such a great attunement. Like, to me, I, I love being around dogs. And cats I'm allergic to, but I, I pretty much all animals. But physically, just being around dogs is such a blast because they are a constant reminder that, like, all this stuff we get, our, we get in our heads about probably doesn't really matter that much, you know? <laughs> it doesn't really yeah. matter. Yeah, how would the dog view this? That's always a good question. Like, you know, what would Jesus do? Like, what would the, how would what would the dog do about this situation? Would the dog even care? You know, does it even right. matter to it? If it doesn't matter to a dog, then maybe it doesn't matter. <laughs> you know, maybe it's not as yeah. important as you thought it was. Uh, right. Well, yeah, it's... that. <laughs> <laughs> we think yeah. a lot of things are very, very important. You know that. Mm. Eh. <laughs> relatively sure but they're gonna change everything changes you know things come and go people everyone we know everyone you know everyone we all know is going to die they're all going to pass away we're going to pass away ashes to ashes, daily dust to dust. in a very very short time compared to the you know how long humans have been around yesterday i was looking at the distance to the closest galaxy you know and it's like twenty five thousand light years the canis major like big dog galaxy i guess i don't know so it's a small galaxy, but it's 25,000 light years. And I was like going, so the light hitting us from that galaxy, 25,000 years, you know, where were humans 25,000 years ago? And I was looking at it and like homo sapiens have been around for like 100,000, 200, 300,000 years or something. Mm. So um, I'm thinking back, like all these iterations of all this time. And I'm like, compare that to like the 70 to 90 years we're going to be alive. It's a drop in the bucket. Nothing, it's just a drop it? in the bucket, you know? Yeah. yeah. That's a good daily reminder, so, you know, impermanence, yeah. you know, is, is a really, it's an important teaching, isn't it? Like really, uh, again, to bring it back to my situation, because, you know, me, 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 but um, <laughs> it's, it really is, are you, there's this feeling like, um, you know, in this relationship, in this particular relationship I had, I was like, this is 100% certainty, this will go on forever. Like this mm. will go on until one of us dies, of course, but I, like this this can't be this is an unstoppable force this is mm. solid concrete um and this happens and you're like oh wow okay so things you don't first of all i don't have a clue what's going to happen next no matter what my mind thinks i have a zero idea what's going to happen for in one millisecond from now like it yeah. doesn't i didn't see it coming <laughs> um, yeah. uh, and, and secondly you know it it, it's just it's always changing nothing's safe everything is flowing it is literally a river of experience mm -hmm. you know it's just yeah. constantly flowing um mm -hmm. and it will it doesn't care what your mind thinks about it um it doesn't care how solid it thinks it is um it will just flow whichever way the the current happens to be going yeah and yeah so, and it, it can be daunting to the mind when we have we want to live based on ideas of how we think everything's going to go. But when we finally drop those and or just just attune to the truth of of that flow of 
existence that's just endlessly destroying itself and recreating out of nothingness, you know, um, that, that impermanence, say, to use a Buddhist term or whatever. Um, but when you attune to that, it has its own kind of beauty. It's beautiful, actually. Um, the, it's endlessly letting go, endlessly letting go, endlessly letting go. And it's also right. endlessly, in, it's also endlessly uh, intimate and deep, and powerful and right. luminous, you know, all of that. But there's no substance to it. There's nothing, there's not, you know, the mind does the weirdest things where it's like, oh yeah, it'll always be like this. Like the, nothing's always like anything, right? Um, but we, we really, it's just, that's why this always comes back to identity for me. We identify with that belief. That's what right. hurts to let go of the identity, which takes this full circle to something you mentioned very early on that I wanted to bring up. You mentioned existential terror. Yeah. I wanted to just highlight this because I've talked to a few people about this recently. Um, very deeply realized people actually will often get to this place where they start to feel this existential terror. And it's not the same as that, what I sometimes call the fear barrier right before an initial awakening. It's like this really intense body fear and then it kind of goes away and then you move beyond it and then everything's very quiet in the mind and something shifts often. This is different. This is very visceral. Very, It's mm-hmm. deeper than visceral. It's deeper than the body. It's not an emotion. Um, and it's a good sign, you know, uh, that this process is, is, you know, moving forward or regressing or whatever's happening, but, um, it tends to happen and it it's, can be quite unsettling and there's no cure for it. There's no, there's nothing, there's no cure for it because it's not an emotion. It's, it's, a, it's something like the foundation of everything that you've ever experienced to be real or yourself or the world or anything is just crumbling. And it can happen in concert with a relationship ending. It can happen totally randomly. But I wanted to say when you mentioned it early, it pro- that probably isn't directly related to the relationship thing. It's just the timing of it. That's what I think about that. And if anyone ever comes in contact with this, they're going to know exactly what I'm talking about. <laughs> and uh, it doesn't last forever. It doesn't last forever, but, uh, but it, can be ra- it can be rather unsettling. Yes. Yeah. Uh, yeah, you're on the money with that. It it's the relationship is like repre- it kind of represents something which was already there. I've felt this. It's not the first time I felt existential terror. And mm-hmm. um, you know, it's happened after psychedelic trips, it's happened where I've done a lot of inquiry and stuff, and it just happens at certain times. And I'm like, oh God, if I continue with this, I have to accept that it's all it nothing is what I thought it was. And am I willing to continue? <laughs> Am I, or could I just talk about non-duality from the safe place of like, yeah, let's let's look at experience. It's all about yeah. like looking at experience, but everything's still here. It's fine. It's fine. Yeah, right, 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 right. Yeah. Um, this is where it's like this becomes really real. That like it's the dream is seen as a dream. It all just breaks mm-hmm. apart. You know. Um, yeah, that, that is terrifying. It is terrifying. Yeah. Um. But it's That's okay. Uh, it's it's good that it's you're okay. acknowledging it, and it's good that you're still orienting to letting this play out. It seems like you are, because this is this is a sticking point for some people. Like I I know people who can be who have been very deeply realized have a lot of insight, and this this turns them around. It really scares them, it, such that they they just convince themselves it's not real, <laughs> or I don't know. Like it almost puts them back in their mind in a way. Um, what can I say about this? It's what you said. So. We, we can unknowingly to us do, do this stuff where we learn. I mean, I meet people who have never had any kind of shift at all and they believe the Buddhist doctrine of no self. And I'm like, 
you know, I've, I've actually come into contact with somebody once who was talking about that. And I didn't realize that they hadn't, they didn't really have any insight about it. And it, I really freaked them out. And I didn't mean to, I wasn't trying to, I was just talking very directly about it. Um, and I, I really learned something like you can, you can cognate a lot of this stuff. You can, you know, believe, oh, there's no self, there's no world, there's, you know, there's just formless awareness. What you don't realize is the structure of self, which can feel very thin, very, un you may not even notice it, you'll totally overlook it, can experience that, all of that. It can exper yeah. experience non-duality. It can experience formlessness. It can experience, it won't do it continuously, but it can do it um, without even noticing, without itself noticing that it's still there because it can't really notice it's still there. But something notices it, damn well notices it when it starts to crumble. <laughs> and if yeah. you feel that foundation shifting, and it's like the foundation of reality is shifting. Um, yeah. It's okay. And it, it does it does play out in a way that feels incredibly natural over time. But it can be an adjustment for sure. And it can be very unsettling when you start to feel that. That is, um, well, I, I, I imagine I speak for others as well. Those few of us out there who are this this particular, particularly weird place of exploring reality to its its depths of uh exist to getting to the point of existential terror um but for myself um uh, that is incredibly helpful uh, it's, it feels like you're you know just metaphorically it feels like you're on one side of a river and you're saying it's okay to cross come on it's okay and like us us guys are on the other just, it's like it's okay it won't sweep you away you you'll be okay you know uh and this river is like it's like lava and daggers and uh you know, when you look at it it's like just made of all of your fear all of your terror and it's like yeah. you're on the other side saying that's it's gonna be fine it doesn't feel like fine. it's gonna be fine and yeah, yeah. It, 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 it fundamentally changes it fundamentally changes something that is very hard to talk about it's like the kind of thing you can't see until it happens you can't you feel it you know it you sense it but until it really happens, it's very, very difficult to even know what it exactly what it is that's still there. And when it's gone, it's damn obvious. And it's it's in some sense it's anticlimactic, but in some sense it it's like a black hole. Like you can't not notice it. It's always there. It's always right there. Um, you may not talk about it because you there's no need to talk about it, but you might at times and you'll you'll feel the effects of it. You'll see the effects of it reflected in other people a lot of times in what they say to you. But yeah. And I'll, and I I always can tell when it's happened for someone. Like when I interact with people who've gone through that, it's very obvious. Well, on the other side of the the yeah. terror you mean, where they've just mm -hmm. that's kind of like they're fine with the final stop off before. Yeah. When the self structure uh, yeah. is completely dismantled, it's it's pretty obvious. Yeah. Yeah. Um, you, you don't you don't like walk on water you're not superhuman you don't speak in riddles i mean it's not like that it's um you still you'll still have you can still have misconceptions about things you'll still have habits but they they tend to unwind up much faster after that very spontaneously mm -hmm. but it's still an ongoing process probably for the rest of your life but 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 interacting with that person feels quite different for me at least yeah yeah i can i can understand that i can understand that uh i it just reminds me of a I just quickly share this just for fun. Uh, it's a psychedelic experience I had with friends uh, taking 5-MeO-DMT. We both took it. Uh, and when we both looked at each other, <laughs> and we, if we, I saw that he saw, <laughs> he saw that I saw. <laughs> and, and, 
It makes me laugh even now. It was, it was just so obvious. It was just <laughs> because um, it was on the other side where of the experience where it was still in the system, but we we kind of were still very much in that black hole you were talking about. And mm. it was so immediately obvious. Yeah. We could see each other mm. so clearly. And um, there's, no, there's no words for it, is there? There's no, there's not, you can't say, oh, it was like sidekick or something. It was like, no, it was just obvious. It's like... Yeah. Someone it, to me, it felt like someone had untwisted a balloon animal, and it no longer had limbs, separate, seemingly separate limbs or something, and it was just yeah. one whole balloon. Mm. Uh, that's, that's 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 a I'm cool way to say it. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's just like awesome. oh, popped. <laughs> but yeah, um, I'd imagine that's 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 probably a, a time uh, as far as uh, how much time. We yeah, probably. Yeah, I yeah. probably should roll. Yeah, uh, um, you know, thank you so much for this, Angelo. Like, really, it's it's speaking personally. You know, it's it's been very kind of you to offer your time and and sort of help guide me through this. Um, it's given me some a feeling of strength to just stick with the process as well. You know, it's a kind of knowing that someone else has sat with these same feelings and that they have got this wisdom to them and they just, just want to be sat with, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, I think sometimes people just need, need that, you know, they need so, to hear someone go. It's like, this is what you're experiencing is okay. And this is normal for anyone who's engaging on this, in this kind of um, exploration, like it is okay to be feeling these things. This will happen and it will mm. feel terrifying. It will feel like horrible at times it will feel like, like the deepest fears and suffering will come to the surface and it's all okay and it's all mm-hmm. you know that balloon animal is just that this <laughs> that's right that's it, it, the air is just like slowly coming out and the limbs are kind of going back into one hole um but yeah so thank you for that it's it's actually been incredibly helpful for me personally and i i do hope anyone else who listens to this um, that it's helpful for them as well and, yeah um and it, and it yeah. settles out. I mean, for anyone listening, we're talking about really intense times. And, you know, we all, we all everyone's going to go through those in life. It's just happens. We're going to lose someone. We're going to have a massive, uh, serious health crisis. We're going to, it happens. These things happen. Um, and we're talking about heavy stuff, but the, the whole process isn't also all super intense, heavy stuff. But there are periods where what we're talking about, you're going to know exactly what, what this is. Yeah, exactly. And then then you've got... Fortunately, you've got videos like this and videos on, on your page, Angelo, lots of videos with this kind of thing where it's just like literally guiding. It has been incredibly helpful for me personally, just knowing this is okay. It's okay. You're not going to die. You're, you're fine. You're fine. Mm. Um, but yes. So thank you very much, sir. It's been an absolute pleasure talking to you. Um, been fun, man. Really, really was looking forward to it. And it was a great talk. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, thank you, sir.